Welcome to Amplified. We're the show that will help you take your message, whatever it may be, and get it out through social media, networking, and other marketing channels. Maybe even some that you've never thought of. Whether you're an organization, small or large business, or you just have the next positive message that's sure to go viral, you'll want to stay tuned this hour. Now, here's your host, Ken Rashawn. Welcome, welcome. Well, we usually have to have a little bit of a technical difficulty in the introduction because otherwise our guests will dance too much. We won't get them back during the show. So we're excited to have Dr. Steve Taubman. I have to say it was kind of a rough start today because I uh, was preparing for the show and then I found out that it was Dr. Steve Taubman. And the problem I have with Steve Taubman is that he really bugs me. He blocks me and he brings me down. And uh, Andrea said, well, he's your guest. And I said, well, why would I want to have a guest that bugs me, blocks me, and brings me down? And she says, I don't think you'd want to have that, but he will help you stop not liking him and not bugging him and not blocking him. So here we go, Andrea, let's uh, bring him on. He's going to make you bulletproof, Ken. That's what he's going to do for you today so that you will feel really good about things. So our guest today, he has an eclectic and unusual background, 14 years running one of the top nation's chiropractic clinics. He became a sought-after corporate entertainer. What a switch. He went on to write a best-selling book called Unhypnosis and a series of other critically acclaimed personal growth programs. He now travels the globe sharing insight and wisdom about how to live an inspired life while entertaining groups with his mind-boggling hypnosis and mind-reading shows. To date, Dr. Steve has hypnotized over 30,000 people. His fans include sports figures, business leaders, and A-list movie stars. He's been seen on national television, has been featured in major magazines, and shared the stage with top business leaders like Jack Canfield and the late Zig Ziglar. Here today, he's going to share some insights on the top characteristics of highly successful people. Please welcome our really good friend, best-selling author, international speaker, physician, mindfulness coach, and transformational hypnotist, and a really nice guy with a really cute dog named Woody, Dr. Steve Thank you. (laughs) Hey, Steve. And now I'm so glad that I know that I bug you, block you, and bring you down because I've got a book that's all about how to, what do you do when something bugs you, blocks you, or brings you down. And now I know that I can solve this problem for you, Ken. Well, I think I understand where you're going with this, kind of the Dr. Seuss sneeches after you have this book sell millions and millions of copies. You're going to write a new book saying how to have people that don't bug you, don't block you and bring you down, block you, bring you down, and also, of course, bug you. You're going to go back and forth with that. Why not? <laughs> now, when, you want uh, to both sides of the fence, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm thinking that the videos of that could be really fun. Block you, bug you, you know. <laughs> so you seem kind of confused, Steve, during the uh, when she was doing the uh, introduction of you. That you well, she was reading all my stuff that I'd done, and it made it sound like I can't hold a job. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, it was a pleasure meeting you way, way back when at the American <laughs> Leadership Summit. And uh, that was Sharon Bernstein. And thank you. Kenny is helping me with his new joke book. He just handed me the material that's going to be in his new joke book coming out June 14th, his birthday, Flag Day. And I always tell him when I'm on a show, definitely come over with paperwork because that helps me focus on my guest. Right, exactly. (laughs) So we'll have to teach Ken how to hypnotize Kenny to 
hover in the perimeter there. <laughs> so, so, so look at the image here. So this woman is trying to get her job done, right? And they're like, all these people are like distracting her. But my favorite part is like, somebody's got a sandwich. That is awesome. Right, right? It's like, that's the big, that's the big distraction. So, so you had a book before that you gave me at uh, the American Leadership Summit. Uh, yeah, I've had a few. Uh, my first book was called Unhypnosis. It's about how to wake up, start over, and create the life you're meant to live. And it's based on the premise that we're all walking through life hypnotized, half asleep, and kind of programmed. Well, I want to go through each of the books and, of course, go mostly with your newest book. We had yeah. said we were going to talk about the weather for the first 30 minutes. Do you mind if we curb that down to just like a quick question of how's the weather up in Vermont? Oh, man, I, I prepared, like I'd written like a whole essay, and now I don't know what to do with it. But not you bad. Can write a book with it. You can write a book with it. <laughs> We've had everything you can imagine, rain, snow, and now it's nice, so it's all good. Yeah, I right. definitely see a new book here. If the weather bugs you, read this book. Buy yeah. it. <laughs> it brings you down, bothers you. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so I'm guessing there was a time when there was just a little Dr. Stevie. There so, was. So tell us about your childhood and did it have any relation to you becoming the person you are today? Uh, nobody ever called me Dr. Stevie back then, but, uh, really? but <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, I was, I grew up in New York on Long Island, you know, for, to a, uh, you know, typical Long Island neurotic Jewish dysfunctional family. And, um, you know, grew up with all the usual, uh, psychological, uh, challenges like depression, anxiety, self-esteem issues, <laughs> and I was bullied and all the good stuff, you know, and uh, I think, yeah, I think that absolutely made me who I am today. I think my search for um, for serenity, for wisdom, for happiness, for joy, and ultimately to help others with that started with, you know, wanting to uh, overcome my own childhood. Well, I will say that I, I almost see a book, How to Bully People, to have them be bugged by you. You're really, you're really into like these counter, like take whatever you've learned and then reverse it. You know, I just, you do is you're opening up an entirely other market for me, so I, I can only be grateful. Well, yeah. you're very welcome. So uh, let's talk about uh, where you actually got your, I guess, breakthrough for you to uh, examine hypnosis, entertainment, speaking. Yeah. So uh, the, the work that I do using hypnosis and mindfulness, uh, my breakthroughs came when, um, when I realized that, that all the psychological stuff that I was doing wasn't working. And then I was, I was sort of introduced to the idea of meditation. And uh, it, it became pretty clear to me pretty quickly that, um, you know, you could talk about all your stuff all day long, but if you don't have any method by which you can kind of separate yourself from your own thinking... You're, you're stuck. So I ended up doing a, a 10 day silent meditation retreat. Try it sometime. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's boot camp, right? It's spiritual boot camp. So, you know, learning how to sit quietly, to just sit still and let all the inner demons kind of like torment me and then just let them flow away because you can't think, you can't challenge, you can't write, you can't journal, you can't watch TV, you can't escape. And so uh, that was my boot camp. That's where I started turning the corner for myself. And then hypnosis came along as um, originally just as a form of entertainment because I would, well, originally, you know, I was a chiropractor for a lot of years and I did sports medicine. So I had some understanding of the NLP side of hypnosis uh, for empowering my athletes, helping them to heal quicker, helping them to uh, uh, win more and, and all the things that NLP and mind, uh, mindset management can help you with. And then, uh, and then I learned hypnosis to, uh, to entertain. I was the official hypnotist for MTV Spring Break. Hmm. 
dirty job, but somebody's got to do it. You got it. Thanks for stepping up. Thanks for stepping up. <laughs> so you've uh, hypnotized over 30,000 people from what I... I have. Not all at once. Well, no, what I, but what I'm amazed by, and most people don't know this, and this is a shared secret that you and I have. Can I let it out now? Okay. That you actually know every single person you keep in touch with every day. So that's amazing. Everybody that you've ever hypnotized? Yes. You know They're all names. on my closet right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. All right. Well, enough of this stuff. Let's get back to the weather. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's something that really matters. You know, uh, one of my favorite moments, uh, Ken, was when we were in, I think it was in Baltimore, D.C. area uh, with uh, Steve, Dr. Steve, and um, I photographed a mind reading show. And uh, one of our uh, really good friends, you hypnotized her and uh, told her that someone's shoe had a secret message for her. And she came and chose my high heel as the um, secret bat phone, so to speak. And so I'm trying to photograph her while she's talking on my foot uh, to my shoe. It was quite uh, entertaining, quite entertaining. <laughs> I don't know if that was the show where um, there was a woman named Holly who was in the audience and she was sitting in the audience and she got hypnotized in the audience. That was her. That was Holly I was talking about. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so she's that's why too? she came to me in the back of the room. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's get to your book. Why is it that you'd write a book like this? I mean, it doesn't seem like anyone would bug anybody or block anyone or bring them down. I mean, what was there even a need for this book? I go figure. Yeah. The, the book is about mental resilience. I think more than anything else right now, we need to learn to be resilient. We need to learn how to take all the various uh, distractions and things that cause us to be depressed and, and aggravated and figure out how to navigate through them and thrive through the pressure. And the book came out just before the uh, pandemic really hit. So, you know, now we're seeing more reactivity in the world, people who are kind of on a razor's edge and about to fall off. And, uh, you know, in the meantime, I've noticed for myself that, um, that I've maintained a pretty calm, peaceful, serene way of being throughout this whole thing. And, you know, not by burying my head in the sand, not by um, losing sight of the fact that people are suffering and people are losing their lives, but somehow um, I'm still not falling into the abyss, right? Which I don't think that is, we're doing anybody else any favors either when we, be, when we fall into the abyss, right? So how do, we, how do we become bullet? I call it bulletproof. How do we become bulletproof? It's basically uh, based on the metaphor from when we used to watch Superman when we were kids, right? And he'd stand there with his arms on his shoulder, you know, his hands on his hips, and, uh, and the, the bad guy would be shooting bullets at him, and they'd be bouncing off, and he'd just be smiling and patiently waiting for this, barrage of bullets to end, but they weren't affecting him. And it's the same model, right? It's like, how can we patiently wait for whatever the barrage of bullets are that are hitting us to end, whether they are, uh, you know, bullets of, of uh, disease or bullets of, of financial difficulties or bullets of stress from our families or, or what I call the bullets we fire at ourselves, right? The way that we self that we self-deprecate and we we all our negative self-talk that's just one more form of bullets how do we change our relationship with all of that stuff so that we can just keep going and you know keep getting the best of ourselves and give the best of ourselves to others so we're going to talk about that distinction in a second but is it it's curious you bring up superman because hasn't it always bothered you that the, the bad guys only shot at his checks they'd never shoot at his face or his eyeball that's bother the other thing that always bothered me was that, you know, um, when they threw the gun at him, he would duck. 
Yeah, exactly. Because you knew you knew that was going to be a problem. Realize that that's hysterical. Every single time. Yeah. yeah, and they all knew. Yeah, they knew it, the bullets weren't going to make any difference. So they were like, maybe we can hit him with the gun. Maybe we can hit him in the face, not the chest with the gun. So maybe that's why he ducked because it was heading for his face. I know. That's what I'm trying to say. This is nobody crazy. ever thought of it. Wow. Yeah, and if the bad guys had read the comics, they would have seen that this was a perpetual situation. And that it was not that really he was bulletproof, it. but his suit was. There's something. There's something in what you've just said that we could probably. Like, there's, there's a takeaway there somewhere. <laughs> All right. Well, let's take. Well, let's take away back to your book. So let's talk about the distinction of someone who is in a non-bulletproof type of psyche during COVID, and someone is. What are distinctions, and how can we help people that are actually really feeling overwhelmed and having that that feeling that it's not going to. They're not going to make it. Well, the first thing is to um, is to realize that the the strong likelihood is that you are going to make it, or that some aspect of what you've done and accomplished in the world is going to make it, and that we um, we don't do ourselves or anybody else any favors by staying in that really negative headspace. Right? That there is plenty of evidence now that just maintaining a negative mindset has an impact on our immune system. Mm-hmm. So if you're trying to get the best possible outcome, you're trying to uh, uh, survive and thrive during difficult times, you've got to realize that, you know, I may be having, I may be contributing in a negative way to the possible outcome of this disease for myself. You know, if I'm putting out a lot of negative energy, if I'm uh, stimulating the formation of all the, the neurohormones inside of me that are causing my immune system to be suppressed, then I'm not doing myself any favors. So instead, what if I could make the commitment and the choice to come from a place of positivity, come from a place of happiness, and then use all the skills and tools and strategies that are available to us to, uh, to be maximally effective, to be happy. Okay, right? so let's take a deeper dive. What are, what are some of the favorite topics in your book you'd like to go into more depth with? I've got it broken down into five areas. The first area is that intention or commitment to being, you know, to being happy, to saying, I'm, if, if I find myself falling off, if I find myself becoming irritated or depressed or whatever the feeling is, uh, rather than following my brain down that rabbit hole, I'm going to step back and notice that that's not taking me toward happiness, it's taking me away from. So that commitment has to start the whole thing. It's not that you're always happy, but it's that you're always measuring uh, your mental activity against whether or not it's moving you toward being happy or not. I wish so Dr. Steve, are you saying that it um, leads them to inspiring joy and hope in the world and inspiring smiles, <laughs> which is beyond. Skipping to the end of the book, I think. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So smiling and all, you know, anything that you can do that's proactively going to um, help to enhance your happiness. And we all know that that part of that is smiling because that not only influences your neurology, well, that's one of yeah, that's one of my books. That's a good one, but now, but it's also uh, um, it's also the impact you have on others, right? And if you're helping other people be happy, that's going to help you be happy. And so tell, yeah, I was going to say, talk about the distinction of the book that you gave me in this book. Where where did uh, would that book serve to do? Um, which one? The one you just showed the Buddha. Yep. Put in the trenches. Well, it was essentially the same the same uh, content. It was you know it just. I noticed you didn't change any words in it. Both books are identical. That's why I was wondering if you could tell me. Oh, I took out some of them. I took out the uh, the preface and I and I changed some of the references throughout the book. But it's basically the same book. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and and for obvious reasons because you know in this day and age when everybody needs to be embracing these concepts, we don't want anybody to be saying, "Oh, I don't believe in Buddhism." 
right. and putting it down because of that. It's got nothing. The book's not about Buddhism. The book is, you know, about how you manage your mind. Hmm. So was there ever a time that you were having some challenges and you needed to have this type of, uh, I guess, advice to, from someone else to apply this? Well, I've never had any challenges. You're lucky. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, there, you are, there's so many people that are having challenges, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm one of them. So I love I'm, that. So, <laughs> what's so the you said the had? first thing was a commitment. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So, you know, starting with that commitment to happiness, it's like, um, you know, I'm going to die with a smile if it kills me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that, you know, that being a frame of reference to come from. And then the second, you know, the second thing we need to do is to observe the, um, the disciplines in our lives. Are we living by a code? Are we, you know, operating with dignity and with commitment and with integrity? And are we always doing that? Or are we only, are we just letting our emotions decide for us? Like if I'm irritated, then I'm going to be yelling at somebody. And if I'm, you know, depressed, I'm going to go hide under my pillow. Or am I coming from a set of predetermined um, uh, codes of conduct? Right, because everybody who's been successful in life and everybody who's managed to win in, uh, against impossible odds has had to have some kind of code of conduct, some kind of a moral compass, and so and some activities that they always follow, whether they like to or not. Remember that book, Make Your Bed. Right, you make your bed and you, you brush your teeth and you you know there's a whole series of rituals you might follow, and people who follow rituals uh, tend to um, have more more control over their own emotional state. Because they're starting to set up these rituals to, to give them more mastery over what they're going to do, regardless of how they feel. Right. And then the third part, it really comes down to focus, which is, are you exercising your focus muscles? Right. This is where things like meditation come in. Right. Your mind is constantly wandering. You're constantly being drawn off by distracting or irritating thoughts. And if you follow those thoughts, then you're following them to your own destruction versus ah, there's a thought, I'm coming back. And so when you meditate, right, or with hypnosis, you're constantly using the techniques to bring your focus and your attention back to the moment, the being here now. And there's something that's profoundly transformative about that, that when we become capable of being very, very present, then the things that used to bug us and block us start to just fall away because, yeah, they're happening. Yeah, my emotions want to go there, but I know how to come back. I've got a path back again. And, uh, you know, then you start getting into the fourth concept, which is the concept of leaning in. What do we usually do when something aggravating or irritating happens? We usually try to run from it. What do we do when somebody does something that bugs us? We usually try to uh, fight to, you know, get them to realize that they're wrong and we're right. And obviously we are Ken, right? But they're, but they're never going to know it. So, uh, so instead... Uh, you know, we start to recognize all the ways that we try to avoid feeling the emotion we're feeling. Well, right. this is this is kind of the section I was going to say before you went into all that those great solutions, which was uh, sharing <clears throat> vulnerably with the audience that you're a human just like everyone else that had to overcome challenges. And what, what challenge was blocking you or stopping you and how did you overcome it? Well, for me, you know, uh, most of it was, was inner stuff, just feeling, uh, just not feeling worthy of what it was that I had to offer, um, uh, constantly struggling with depression and anxiety, uh, and spinning deeper into it. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, there was, there were just a lot of those kinds of things feeling like an outsider in the world, 
not feeling like I was able to connect. And, um, you know, those, those thoughts, those emotions still arise sometimes, but my relationship to them is very different from what it used to be. Well, that I was going to say that was yesterday. What are your feelings like now? Today, yeah, today, yeah. so far, knock on wood, it's a good day. I <laughs> <laughs> like it, like what they say in AA, it's one day at a time, right? It's one day at a time. <laughs> and, and is there anything that you've never shared on any other show that you'd like to share right now that could be possibly used for blackmail, anything like that? I'm not wearing any pants. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, go ahead, Andre. I know you have a question. Well, you know, the the next point that I know that um, you, you're probably going to lead to anyways is talking about, you know, support systems. And I was really excited about that because I've had the opportunity to be around you where I see how you're supportive to other people and how you um, even end your shows with, you know, positive messages for people so that they feel really good about who they are and what they do. Um, so I wondered if you'd talk more about that because Ken and I are about support definitely with the keep smiling movement because we're creating a you know community of people i love it i you know that's one of the things that that drew me to you guys is that you've got so much of that and such a uh, giving heart and um your willingness to, uh, to to be a supportive individual so so in bulletproof um we have you know what i do is i take people through those four concepts that we just talked about but we always have to recognize that none of us are you know um impervious to pain or impervious to depression or any of that. We're all human. We're all somewhere on a continuum. We're trying to get stronger. We're trying to get more positive. We're trying to be more resilient. But sometimes we hit a wall. Sometimes something bugs us just too much. Sometimes something just really bothers us too much. So looking at the COVID situation right now, one of the issues is that, you know, we are isolated and that a lot of people are suffering greatly. Um, They may not be able to take all the steps we just talked about, but they could be working on getting stronger, but in the meantime, what are their supports, right? And the support usually comes down to either a system or a person or a group of people, right? So a system might be every time I feel this way, I do this, right? You've got, you've already prepared yourself for what happens when I get depressed. I go, I go take a walk, you know, I pet my dog, I, I get puppy kisses, what, you know, so that's a system. It's a system I use that's predictable and it always helps me. Um, during difficult times. And the other is that sense of community, the sense of connection to others. Who are the people in my life that when I am going off the deep end, when I'm about to, you know, take the low road instead of the high road, that I could call that person up and say, uh, I'm, um, I'm struggling right now. I don't know what to do. Uh, I'm, I find myself wanting to, you know, do the wrong thing. It's like, you know, it's like, like an AA, somebody in AA who has a sponsor. Right. I'm just about to drink. What do I do? Right. And I think it's important to realize we're we're all junkies. Right. We're all like alcohol. It's every one of us. We're all addicted to some emotion. We're addicted to some thought process. And if we get too close to it, we get sucked in. Right. Well, I wanted to actually commend you, Steve, because you were one of the early adopters of the 100 book Keep Smiling movement that is being released on May 25th. And we have you on the list of the last 20 that we have to get done. So your book will be coming out. I know that it's been a while since you wrote that, but uh, you know, that, that process is meant to be a therapeutic process for the writer, but a inspirational um, insertion or a dose of hope for the reader about someone's journey and how they created who they are. Is there anything else you uh, did or share in that book that you wanted to share uh, in the first segment about either your journey or why you do what you do? 
I only only to say that uh, I have this strong um, kind of burning desire to take the suffering that I experienced growing up and the way that I had no really good tools uh, to to deal with it and and know that it was worthwhile that by having suffered in the way that I did, I now have some kind of wisdom that I can impart, right? That I can show other people how to avoid some of that same fate and not only avoid the fate, but literally to use it as grist for the mill, right? To take all that stuff and use it to thrive, to be more successful, to be happier, to, you know, to get more done. So the book is really a business book. It's for business people who want to be successful, but it comes from that, you know, heart centered place. Oh, you're, you're muted, Ken. hate when I'm muted. Do you know why? Because then I can't really be heard that well. And I can <laughs> bug somebody. So <laughs> I, wanted to, I wanted to give you an opportunity for the guest, actually, our audience, to hear more about you. What is your radio show that you have, your podcast? So I started a little thing. It's, it's still relatively informal, but I've got something I've been calling the smartest people I know. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing a Facebook Live and some Zoom transmission and broadcasts. Uh, with just some really remarkable people and just talking about how they're um, applying what they've learned to be more resilient and positive during difficult times. And how can people hear that? Besides their ears, I mean, I mean, how could they? (laughs) (laughs) I'm Um, glad you pointed that out. (laughs) My my Facebook business page is is Facebook slash Dr. Steve Taubman, Dr. Steve Taubman. That's a great name for it, Steve. Seriously. Really, really great name. And how about your website? How can people uh, connect uh, my, with you So my website is stevetaubman.com. Um, and uh, for those of you who are interested in kind of dipping your toes in the water, learning a little bit more about Bulletproof, I've got, um, I've got a page you can go to where you can get a free uh, digital download of the first chapter of the book. So that's at bestofsteve.com. I thought you were given a chapter and a half. It actually is a chapter and a half, but I didn't want like, you know, under, under promise and over deliver. <laughs> Got it. Always <laughs> smart. All right, Andrea, if you'd please uh, share our sponsors and all the lovely people <clears throat> that we need to give a shout out to. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we want to thank Voice America for hosting us here with Amplified and the Red Carpet Connection, the Umbrella Syndicate, and the Keep, Keep Smiling Movement. And we'll be back after these messages. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The Umbrella Syndicate amplifies good causes, good people, and good messages. They offer a suite of services that help people and businesses gain better exposure. Through working with the Umbrella Syndicate, you gain the ability to reach an audience of 50,000 unique people a week. They have recently reached over 20,000 followers on Facebook. You can view their photography and how they use it as a strong promotional tool on their Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash The Umbrella Syndicate. Show them your support by liking their page. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. 
What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. This is Amplify. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. We also would love to hear from you via email to info at UmbrellaSyndicate.com. Now, back to Amplify. All right, this is Ken Roshan, and we are with a wonderful guest, Dr. Steve Taubin, and he has stuck around. We thought we were going to lose him after that first segment, but he is back for more. Man, I guess I didn't bug you that much in the first segment, Steve. This is just a testament to how well the book works. <laughs> Very good. So why is it, uh, well, I should say when hypnosis happens, or I should say hypnotists pick people, how do they mm-hmm. pick the people that are going to entertain and create the most magic on the stage? And why is it that some people are not the right pick? That's a good question. Um, I was, uh, I didn't mean to say it like that was your first good question of the day. But... <laughs> Or of the year. <laughs> Sounded like that. Like, that's a good question, finally. Um, no. <laughs> the, rest, the rest are not going to be as good, so I wanted to follow up. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll, I'll tease out the answer then. Uh, there, there are some, uh, you know, as, as professional hypnotists, what we're doing is we're obviously looking for somebody who's going to help put on a great show, right? So we're not just looking for susceptibility. That's a, the primary thing is like how susceptible is somebody to hypnosis, right? Mm-hmm. So we usually do some kind of a, uh, a pretest that, you know, that demonstrates somebody's suggestibility, like maybe their hands lock together or their arm rises up. You know, we do something, we watch how people react to it. And so we're looking for suggestibility. Um, the people who, are, who tend to be more suggestible are people who, counter to what a lot of people think, smarter, 
right? The more, the smarter you are, the more focused you are. The more focused you are, the more likely you are to be able to to direct your attention to the here and now and not get distracted by what's necessary to get hypnotized. So that's part of it is just being smart. Another part is how are you smart, right? There are two characteristics that, um, that really make a difference. One is focus. The other is impressibility. Now, impressibility means, are you the kind of person who's impressed when you see things? Do you like, say, oh, what a beautiful sunset? Or, um, oh, that was, a fun, that was a great magic trick. Or you laugh, you know, when you hear a, a good joke. Or are you, like, you know, really kind of um, buttoned down? People who are kind of buttoned down don't always make the best hypnotic subjects, right? So what we mostly are looking for, the things that, that most uh, lean against somebody being a good subject are people who can't concentrate, or people who are too analytical, right? And, you know, they're always trying to figure stuff out. And so they don't just like relax into the experience. But most other people are pretty good subjects. And there is a continuum. You know, I usually tell people on stage, it's like a bell curve, right? 5% of people are going to be um, really exceptional subjects for hypnosis. And then, you know, 80% of people or 85% of people are going to be, uh, you know, okay. They, they'll, I could probably use them in a show. And then, you know, they're going to be five to ten percent of people who I couldn't hypnotize with a bottle of Valium and a two by four. So, so it's somewhere on that continuum. We're just like doing the test to see who my lo- most likely subjects are. Although that's still entertaining, that last one. <laughs> when you get them with the two by four. Well, this is going to be probably not as good a question as the last question, uh, if you were to rate them. But it is a very good question, and later you may see it to be your second best question ever asked. You ready? Okay. Yep. What is the best question you were ever asked? <laughs> <laughs> that may be it. <laughs> Boy, I'm gonna. That you're gonna have to invite me back for about the answer to that one. I come up with the answer. I had to come back strong, Steve. I mean, after that compliment you gave me on the last one, I was like, I have got to beat that question. Yeah, I think you did. I think that's <laughs> just, I think you stumped me, though. The best question I was ever asked. Well, well, actually, Ken, I think that you're. How did you get so good looking? I think that might have been. How did you get so good looking? That's good. I think Ken is subliminally already taking in the stuff from your book because you were talking about how to raise your level on the game and look how competitive he got with himself. I mean, he just even yeah. wanted to <laughs> Well, you know, Steve, I got to tell you, my question, my next question, if you hadn't said that, was why are some things good and some things not so great? And that was my question. That was my big question for the second segment. Oh, really? And, yeah. So, I mean, you really had me step up and ask that other question. So thank you. The third Zen patriarch said to set what we like against what we don't like is the disease of the mind. Wow. Check you yeah. out and see, we haven't even asked you a, a quote that you live by. You can't answer that yet. That's in our fast. That's a rapid fire. But I do have a question for you on not really a question, but a shout out opportunity. So okay. you have this show that you have the smartest people, you know, would yeah. you mind sharing kind of a shout out so people know, my gosh, he had that person on the show. That, that person. Can you nickname three to five or did you even have more than one show? I just, I've had some, no, I've, I've done some really neat ones. Uh, lately I had uh, the ex uh, uh, guy, by, a guy by the name of, of uh, uh, George Chanos, who used to be the uh, attorney general of Nevada. And uh, he did a, a remarkable Ted talk. I really like his work. Um, I've had, I just had, um, Tanya Brown. I don't know if you know Tanya. She's Nicole Brown Simpson's sister. Okay. Yep. She was just on the show. Um, 
Let's see. Of course, uh, Eric Swanson is always, you know, a I've heard of him. Us, right. Yep. And uh, that's the reason we met. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It was through Eric. Uh, gosh, who else? Did, uh, Jordan Adler. I don't know if you know Jordan. He's uh, he's one of the top network marketers in the world. And just remarkable, smart. Oh, I know Jordan. Nice mm-hmm. guy. Jordan's a great guy. Um, I didn't even know he had a last name. So that's pretty cool. I just learned that on the show. So that's cool. Yeah, yeah. And so I, uh, you know, not all the people are people whose names you might know, but uh, I, I just had um, uh, Shay Vaughn was on my show. Shay is Vince Vaughn's mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, and uh, those- oh, you know Shay? Yeah, yeah, she's awesome. She's yeah. doing one of the books too. Uh huh. Yep. So all really interesting people. Yeah, that's that's actually why I wanted to ask that is because it's interesting to me how people that make massive impact and we've invited them to do these books, how many people don't know their names, even Jack Canfield. I mean, Jack Canfield's a huge name, but if you ask, you know, people that aren't in the personal development space uh, that you just had Jack Canfield or William Paul Young do a book, they're like, yeah, I'm not really sure. And then you say, oh, they wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul or they, they wrote The Shack and they're like, oh my gosh, I, yeah, I know. So um, I'm still trying to find someone that knows you, Steve, and that's where. But it's true, you know, I, I, because I speak on the stages for Habitude Warrior, and we, we sh- you know, I share the stage with people like Sharon Lecter from Rich Dad Poor Dad, uh, you know, Frank Shankwitz, founder of Make a Wish Foundation, right. right? All these amazing people, but if you said their name and not what they're associated with, most people wouldn't know who they are. That's right. That's right. Well, we have rapid fire coming in about five or 10 minutes. I wanted Andrea to have an opportunity to share a couple, uh, ask another question or two, and then okay. we're going to go to rapid fire. Awesome. Well, I have a comment first. I'm excited that you mentioned all those people because that really goes along with your point about having a support system in your lifeboat. So all of those people have been great connections and a lot of them have written great uh, testimonials for you at the beginning of your book. And, and Frank wrote your um, forward. So that's, that's really right, cool. Yeah. So um, my question would be, um, what of of everything that you have in this book, what is the one area that you think would address people's uh, locus of control so that they're thinking about how they can change into happiness from from what you're sharing with them through this COVID situation? Uh, one of the things I, I started mentioning was this idea of leaning in, right? Leaning into the discomfort. It's, it's a yeah. life-changing experience. And what it is, is I call it get out of your head and into your body, right? Which basically means that what we don't realize is that without conscious uh, choice, we end up letting the situation that's caused us to be aggravated become the primary source of our, you know, the kind of the primary focus of our thinking. So we think about it and it makes us feel bad and then we feel bad and that just draws us back into the same set of thoughts and we end up churning the same things over and over and over again and we end up getting deeper and deeper into our misery. So what I teach is get out of your head and into your body, which is basically the moment you recognize that you're spinning out of control, that you're starting to feel something as a result of thinking something, which is making you think more of that same something, you immediately say, whoa, I'm going to now turn my attention toward the physical sensation that I'm feeling as a result of whatever the thought was. And I stop thinking about the thought, but I'm going to turn all of my attention to what does it feel like in my body? And it's just incredible. Like, you know, it's like a superpower. The moment you do that, the moment now, again, this is why the rest of the book is so important because you don't always have the strength to be able to draw your attention away from your ruminating, your negativity, right? But as you do the other exercises, you gain the strength and then you have the choice. You could say, I'm not going there. And when you say I'm not going there now, but I'm willing to sit with the discomfort, I'm willing to sit with the pain, I'm willing to observe that when I'm really angry, I feel it here and here and here and here, and just sit and just be with it, 
it'll start to dissipate. It'll start to go away because it's analogous to a bonfire, right? Every time you throw a log on the fire, the fire gets bigger. Every time you throw a thought on this situation, it goes bigger and it goes longer. You stop throwing logs on it. You stop thinking about it. You simply sit and watch the fire until it goes out. So this is kind of a segue to the, I guess, the mindset or exercises that I was going to ask you. When you are wake up in the morning or you're about to go to bed, do you have uh, suggestions on what you can do to get your right mindset uh, from a subconscious and a conscious level? Yeah, in the morning, the first thing that I do when I get up is I just like lay there for a little while and I kind of, I, I go through kind of a scan of what it feels like to be inside my body. So for beginners at that, that might just be as simple as, you know, let me put my attention on the feeling of my body as it presses down against the bed. Let me just feel what the covers feel like over me. So it's just like a, an awareness of your physicality, of the physical sensations you're experiencing. The second thing is gratitude. And I practice gratitude when I'm walking Woody. So I get dressed and I take my dog for a walk. Woody's around here somewhere. I'll introduce everybody to him in a minute. Uh, and, and when I'm walking Woody, I'm really not, if, if my mind is wandering off on what I'm going to do for the day, I bring it back. Like, just look at that beautiful dog. Just look at this, these beautiful trees. Look at the, and let me just take a moment to be grateful for everything I see. I'm grateful for this little being who has changed my life. And I'm grateful for the beauty I see around me. I'm grateful that I've got eyes to be able to see it. And there are so many things that I could be grateful for. And I try to like really breathe that in. Right. And so often, you know, it's easy to just cut up in the, you know, get like jump right on the hamster wheel as soon as you wake up. But those little moments have a profound impact. Well, let's, uh, let's go to rapid fire and discuss some things that have changed your life and created who you are today. So first of all, let's start off with a book or two that you have read and, or two that uh, you'd like to share that people should read to kind of get in the right mindset as well. Uh, the Power of Now is probably one of the most profoundly transformative books for me uh, by Eckhart Tolle. And uh, earlier than that, uh, all of the work of uh, Ram Dass, including Be Here Now. Cool. Andrea? If you had a superhero power, what would it be? Um, Is this your pose too? <laughs> yeah. Do that pose that you always do, Steve. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to, to make other people happy. Cool. All right. And during these lovely COVID times, what's a, a movie that you like to watch or two that um, you'd recommend? It's always the Shawshank Redemption. Isn't it always... Yeah, brilliant, yeah. brilliant. Yeah, well, okay. it's what because it's the, it's exactly what we're talking about. It's you know being able to make peace while you're in the jail while simultaneously finding a way out. Right. If you had a chance to hypnotize uh, anybody in the world that you haven't had the chance to do that for yet, who would it be? And you want me to keep this clean, right? Um, <laughs> you you can be thinking whatever you want. You just need to say the name. <laughs> <laughs> No, I would, uh, I would love to hypnotize somebody like Alan Alda, you know, yeah. who's like, you know, smart and fun and uh, wise. And I think just seeing what came out of his creative mind when he was hypnotized, or maybe Steve Martin might be another one. Both oh, of whom I, both of them I've performed with. Yeah. Oh, have you? Yeah. Oh, okay. Fine. Well, let's take a step in the direction of people you haven't met. Who's someone you wish you could meet or two? Um, I would, um, Anybody living or dead? You can go one of each if you'd like. Just for you, though. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm going to try not to be political. Uh, Albert Einstein. Nice. 
Yep. And um, Buckminster Fuller. I guess they're both dead. So I got, I got, Buckminster Fuller was the creator of the geodesic dome, but also somebody who really explained like the inter, interrelationship of all people. And he was like, yeah. you know, one of the great geniuses of the time. Um, and um, now, right now, as Russell Brand, I'm, I'm, uh, I've been watching some of his videos and I'm really, really getting off on his mind. The Russell He's interesting. Brand. Yeah, I know. What a controversial yeah. dude. Yeah. We're going to get him on the show. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, um, we might have to have the mute button <laughs> ready. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a great picture. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> that? That's awesome. Yeah. Stop trying to reach for my ear. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I was going to comb your hair, but there isn't any hair to comb. So. <laughs> so, Dr. Steve, I would like to know, when you were a little kid, what did you want to grow up and be? I, it depends how exactly how old, but I remember for some reason I wanted to be a nuclear physicist before I had any idea what that meant. I think I, I think <laughs> I could probably wear a white coat and be in a lab. <laughs> and then I also wanted to be an entertainer. I always wanted to be an entertainer. I always wanted to be like, you know, uh, kind of like a Sammy Davis Jr. multi-talented entertainer. So this is going to be kind of a touchy question. I'm actually a little apprehensive even asking, but what made you change Woody the cat into Woody the dog? <laughs> I'm not answering that question. No, but why? Why did you pick Woody? Why is Woody uh, so important to you? Woody, uh, when I got Woody, I was uh, I was definitely in a in a period of anxiety in my life, and I was uh, I was in a therapist, and I was learning to meditate, and I was doing everything I could to try to get you know just get inner peace. And you know how you know how sometimes your imagination can really transport you to a new place. So I, I started imagining what would make me feel comfortable or calm. I always had a dog growing up, but I never had a dog as an adult. And I pictured puppy kisses. I pictured having a dog licking my face, licking my ear. And it just, it's like my anxiety would dissipate when I thought of that. Right. I thought I need a dog. So I <laughs> got Woody. And when did you get him? I got Woody uh, 13 years ago. He's 13. He's going to be 14 in July. He's so going to be 15. He's going to be fixed 15 next July. The following July after this. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> your mathematical skills are really legendary. So you bring him to your events though, right? I do. He comes with me everywhere. He might be in that picture with you behind your head. I'm not sure. Yeah, move, I move Ken. Oh, yeah, well, I, I already had checked that. I was blocking so the question wouldn't be asked, where's Woody? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did take some really good ones there. They just might not be easily yeah. accessible. And yeah, we have Woody with the Keep Smiling card. I know I took one. Yeah, that's a great picture. I love that picture. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so Woody's been with me. Yeah, he goes to all my conferences. He goes to all my seminars. Whenever I'm teaching, he's there. Uh, and he's, uh, you know, he just makes people happy. That's really cool. Andrea? Um, <clears throat> what, uh, what kind of mind games do you like to play? Like, um, you know, like board games or, you know, something else. Sudoku or, you know. Sudoku. Oh. Yeah, Thank you. That word <laughs> for me, the mind game that. was saying it. <laughs> <laughs> I used. I've never played Sudoku. I never really got that one. It, it looks like it might be fun. I used to. I, I got into a brief period where I started getting interested in chess again. Mm -hmm. Chess is very much that you know you've got to think a few moves ahead and that sort of thing. Uh, and I was also doing crossword puzzles, uh, like because I was on planes a lot and I 
bring up a bunch of password puzzles and do that. But all that stuff is good. It's good if you've got something, you know, usually I've got something I'm planning or a book I'm writing or a program I want to do. And that to me does the same thing. It, it just occupies me and uh, occupies my focus. And I know you're a big joke teller and you like telling jokes on shows. So if you want to give your favorite joke, this would be the time to do it. Oh, wait, oh my goodness. Um, what was the one I just said? Somebody the other day was talking about how there's, uh, you know, one of my nephews uh, in England wrote and said that uh, things are so bad there that there's, you know, with toilet paper being gone that they're, you know, he said that we're now using lettuce leaves. And he says, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. That is a great one. <laughs> that's really good. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I would like to know, um, all right, so you said you've traveled all over the world. Ken's been to 103 countries. Uh, where haven't you been that you want to go? I, at some point, I want to go to Australia. I just want to be, you know, I'm not doing as much long, you know, far travel because of Woody. Like, it's like I can't take him on a trip that long. But I'd like to do, you know, some Western European countries. I like to do Europe. I've done a lot in Central America. I've been in most countries of Central America. Um, I probably would like to do something in South America, maybe go to the Galapagos and go to Ecuador. Uh, but right now, um, you know, I'm so committed to just being here and being a good doggy daddy that I'm not thinking that much about travel. But one of my favorite places is Greece is, and the Greek islands and being in Santorini. It's just beautiful. I would go back there in a heartbeat. Like it, you know, you've kind of inspired. Uh, we've had several people talk about having the theme for Cute Smiling, a dog lover's theme. Just people that their dog really is their partner, the the, the family member, the the person oh, yeah. that they. That's oh, not yeah. a bad idea. I might actually have to switch the cover, and uh, since Woody, you have such a favorite shot of Woody with the cute smiling card, we might just have to do that. That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. I'll actually here. Well, I'm going to move while we're talking. I'm, gonna... <clears throat> I'm actually going to. I'll move too, just so that it doesn't look like you're the only one. Okay, I appreciate that. Here we go. <laughs> That's awesome. Hi, Woody. Hey, Woody. How are you? Are you out like a light? <laughs> Hi, Woody. <laughs> like, I'm sleeping. Leave me alone. <laughs> That's a great one. That is great. All right. So next uh, trivia question for you, Steve. I know this is going to get you a little bit, uh, I guess, dancing. But what is uh, the song that gets you going? Oh. Um, like, you know, the, 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 there's um, – Years ago, I remember when Tony Robbins, I was at a Tony Robbins thing and they were, they were using the song um, Flashdance. Mm -hmm. And they were talking about why Flashdance is such an upbeat song, why it's so important. And it's because it's multimodalities. It's like, you know, uh, like I, I see the rhythm and I hear the music, you know, I, it's, it, it, it blends modality. So it's an NLP masterpiece and it's really positive. It's really energizing. And just a part B of this, what music do you use for your shows for that reason? Oh, in the shows, I, um, I usually just find something that's popular at the time for the, you know, the pre-show. And then um, if I'm doing uh, seminars and I want to evoke an emotion, um, I might use um, like a song like, you know, the, uh, the, the John Denver song, What One Man Can Do. Mm -hmm. um, that, by the way, is actually about Buckminster Fuller. That's what he wrote. So who he wrote the song for? But wow. just the idea of like what one person can do, how we can change the world. So it's something that really inspires that sense of change. And just a part C of that, since you led to seminars. Uh, so after COVID, you are you go back to offering events for people so they can actually work on themselves. 
I think so. I, uh, it's such an interesting time right now that, you know, it's causing us to pause and reflect. And I've got to figure out what's, you know, what's sustainable and what's going to be the most interesting way of delivering uh, positive content in the world. And I, I don't honestly know what that's going to look like, but chances are, I'll, I mean, I anticipate being in front of people again. Okay. And Andrea, final question. Um, <clears throat> all right. So we talked about books. Uh, what book did you love as a child? I was really into um, into all the Dr. Seuss books when I was a kid. It's <laughs> the reason they all. Uh, when I got older, the, the books that I started getting into were like science fiction. I used to love Ray Bradbury. And then I got into uh, Kurt Vonnegut books. And then I started getting into more philosophical stuff like Herman Hess and uh, that kind of thing. But yeah, as a kid, I think mostly, you know, things like that were cute and fun. So I will not bother. I will not bug. Instead, I might just give a hug. <laughs> did you write that or did you write that? I, I, well, I think Ken, I, I think I took what Ken was thinking and said it for him. <laughs> basically, we're trying to help you with your next uh, book title. Yeah. Did I ever yeah. uh, recite for you my, my poem? I don't know how much time we've got left. How much time have you got? We've got a couple minutes. And okay. uh, I, before you do that, though, I want to ask you what's a quote you live by and then, and then, and then go to that. Okay. Um, don't believe everything you think. I just thought that. Jesus. Okay, <laughs> go ahead, Steve. Don't believe Wait, it. Though. Do it. Uh, okay. This is uh, from my, um, I wrote it in honor of my mom who introduced me to some of my childhood heroes who were Dr. Seuss and uh, Henry, uh, Harry Houdini and Don Quixote from Man of La Mancha. When we <clears> make a commitment to lead with our heart, when you make a commitment to lead with your heart, it becomes very easy to know where to start. You know, not to believe everything on your mind and what troubles you sometimes will change on a dime. And nothing's impossible when you stay the course. Persistence will always beat effort and force. Like the great Don Quixote, you live by your quest. Like a phoenix from ashes, you rise o'er the rest. As a leader who's focused on what's here and now, you know what to do to reject or allow. You're powerful, limitless, loving, and so be present and wakeful. Be quiet and know that nothing's impossible for me or for you. So go forth and lead in a way that is true. Do what you love and the money will follow, and so will the world if your goals aren't hollow. Live from your soul, make magic from strife, and you'll leave a legacy that outlives your life. That is beautiful, Steve. That is such a great way to end our show today, too. Thank you. Yeah, especially because our books are about, you know, Ken's always said, leave a legacy. We're, we're teaching people how to tell their legacy story in the Keep Smiling books. Yeah, and I had over 30 more bad questions I was going to ask you, and that just, <laughs> I, I have no desire to ask them. So, Steve, thank you so much. You are such a hero and a, and a leader, positive leader, and what a great message you give today. And I can't wait to get your message of your book out. And I guess that today was given to me as a gift to reframe you being just not just an inspirational leader, but a dog lover. And I think that that is really a cool message that, you know, you got a partner that makes you feel healthy and happy and complete. And I, and I love what you shared about why you brought, why you came to that conclusion that Woody should be in your life. So that's awesome. So you've been amplified, Steve, and uh, a couple of weeks we'll have your dog lovers uh, book out as a key smiling reminder that pets uh, bring happiness to the world. I love it. Thank you for uh, for allowing me to expostulate about all these fun things and for playing with you guys, especially because so I really enjoy you guys. I enjoy the fun we have together. Well, expostulate is not a word that I uh, usually allow in this show, but uh, I'll just ask you: What do you call a fake noodle? What? An impasta. 
<laughs> and with that, I'm going to thank the Red Carpet Connection, Voice America, the Umbrella Syndicate, and the Keep Smiling Movement. <laughs> God bless you, Steve. You've been amplified. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of Amplified. Be sure to join Ken Rashan again next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Now, go get your message heard.